to continue speaking this morning on the topic of breathe on me. Breathe in me. This morning's message will be more a teaching than it will be a preaching. So I may not expect you to shout me down this morning, but I do expect your hearts to be available for learning. We can get emotional and jump up and down and rejoice in the Lord, and we love that because it encourages us all to seek the Lord even closer to a certain extent. But it's what we learn in our hearts that will carry us through the dry times. It's what we learn in our hearts from His Word that will allow us to carry through the difficult times. A quick story as I begin this morning when I speak about learning and ingesting, if you will, the Word of God. I'm remembering several years ago I was invited to go out to a park that is out towards West Texas. Some of you may know it, of it, Gardner State. And I had never been there. My wife and I had never been there, but my family and church had invited us. And so we uh, obliged and we said yes, and we certainly were very thankful for the invitation. And we went, they took us out there, and it's a beautiful place if you've never been. I, I haven't been there in several years. That was probably the last time I ever went. This is over 20 years ago or so. But there's a river, and it's the Frio River that runs right through it. Some of you are relating to what I'm saying because you've been there maybe once or many times. But as we are there, we sent campfire and everything by the river. And uh, looking for activities, one morning we decided to take the river. I don't know if it's upstream or obviously downstream because it was flowing. We were going with the flow to this particular area, this lake area where they have concession stands. And all these things are happening. People, by majority, hang, hang around that area. And there's fun and games for the kids and stuff. And we had taken our children. So... We ended up walking, and it was not a very high river. It was probably knee-deep, and at times we could swim, and at other times we got up and walked at knee-deep uh, waters. And finally, after, I'm going to say, a good couple of miles of walking down, it was easy. And we had taken some tubes, so we'd float down the river comfortably, and then we'd carry the tubes and so on, and you understand what I'm saying. By the time we got over there, we had left probably at about 9 or 10. And by the time we got over there, it was clearly midday. And the sun had come out and it was scorching. You know, these Texas heats are pretty good. And we're not, if you're complaining now, we're not there yet. We've got the rest of July, August, October, and sometimes the Lord blesses us with November. I think it was last year that we were all in shorts during Christmas time. But we walked up there and the sun was scorching. And we had fun and we were swimming in neck deep water and it was deeper than that and the kids were having fun. And after a couple of hours, maybe two or three o'clock in the afternoon, we decided to go back. And so here we go. Now we're going upstream. And so there's no floating on the tube upstream. There is swimming across that puddle and then getting on good ground again and walking and carrying the tubes this time. Now, I'm talking about two or three miles at least that we did. And as you would guess it, of course, when we went down there, we took no water. We didn't take any refreshments. We didn't take an ice chest. We didn't take anything with us. 
Because, again, there was no challenge. It was the fresh of the morning. But in the noontime heat, we went back and ended up carrying. I was carrying tubes for my kids and, and walking through the rocks and still knee-deep water. But now it was against us. And after a mile or so, uh, a guy like me, It got pretty hot, and even my kids were going like, Daddy, how far is it? I'm going like, good Lord, somehow pull the carpet, maybe bring it closer. I don't know. But I wanted to get there, but we got very thirsty. And it's river water, and us city people, we don't drink river water. Because in our minds, we don't know what died or who was in the river up the river. And so there's no way that we're going to go. And the water was beautiful. You could see your toes at three or four feet of water. You know how the waters are in West Texas. It's beautiful. And it's just so crystal clean that I wanted to just die down and just bring the river down and drinking. And so did my kids. And what I would tell them to do is just get it and put it in their mouth and mess around with it a little bit and just refresh and wet and swim and this and the other until we got there. But it was a horrible experience. <laughs> And we didn't want to be in any way unkind to those people who had invited us. And we're going like, you're having a good time? Oh, yes. I cannot. Let's go back down river and come back again. Just to. And by the time we made it, and this is another hour or two up the river to our camp place, we were absolutely parched. And so we went to the gallons of water and to the igloos and everything. And everybody wasn't talking, just drinking and swallowing water. But the point that. I want to make in saying that when I speak about learning God's word. You see, sometimes we take God's word and we just swizzle, swizzle it in the mouth a little bit. And some of us have learned how to simply speak it. But you see, it's not necessarily what you speak as much as it is what you ingest. If we were going to be quenched in our thirst, you see, that water refreshed us exteriorly, temporarily, but it quickly got hot again. But we were dying on the inside because what we needed to do was to drink the water. So it would refresh us on the inside. And this morning, I want to challenge you. As much as I am not going to preach to you and I am trying to teach to you, I, I, to, uh, you, I want you to ingest what we learn of the Holy Spirit today. Because the more you know Him, not the more you know of Him. A lot of people know of Him. The world knows of Him. The whole world knows of Jesus. They know of God. They know of the Holy Spirit but they've not ingested God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in order for their souls to be quenched as God wants to quench our souls this morning. Have I gotten your attention yet this morning? Do I have any believers this morning in this house? Do I have people who want to learn of the Holy Spirit this morning? A few weeks ago, we began this series, if you will, out of Isaiah 63, 1 through 15. I want you to read that at home. I'm not going to take time to go through it because it seems like I'll never get out of part one of this series if I read that again. Because it's a good portion of scripture. But read it. 
And come back next weekend so that you'll understand exactly where I'm at. But those of you who have been here, how many have been here thus far? Where are the rest of you? Those of you on social media, we welcome you and thank you. I pray that you would join us every weekend. And if you can, we're pretty safe out here in the presence of the Lord. We want to invite you into the house of God. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. The objective of this series is to focus our hearts once again on the importance that it is for all of us, especially in these days today, to understand and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who He is, what His purpose is, why we need Him so. Now I need to say, and I want to get your attention, and I don't want to establish a judgmental attitude in this house, but as a pastor and being in ministry this many years, I can tell you I have seen the church evolve. I have seen the church change since I became a Christian over 40 years ago. I have seen changes in the house of God. Some that have been very pleasing and still many more that have been so displeasing. Things that had excited me and motivated me to pursue and seek more of the Lord. And many more that have disgusted me and broken my heart. And just to think of how broken the heart of God might be as he looks down today. Into those venues where groups of people gather together and call themselves the church. I can say, and I don't think I'm going too far off on a tangent or on a ledge and tell you that there are many entities of so called. Bodies of believers and churches and pastors and organizations that have learned so good to function without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have become so creative and become masters of performance in the house of God. We have learned how to market our church via social media. Some of the grandest uh, websites uh, are of churches and they're wonderful, great with cameras and pictures and, and all these slogans and banners. We've learned to market the church. We've learned to fine-tune ministries. We've learned to perfect great learning and teaching skills in the church. We have books upon books we are offered seminar after seminar and trainings on how to build a great church. And so it's easy to see that over the years, our churches are getting larger and prettier and better financially and the activities for families are wonderful. 
But the question of the hour, the challenge for Rock of Ages, because this is my responsibility, because this is where God has called me to scream into your ear. I ask this body, I'm not going to judge anybody beyond the walls of this house. But I will speak to those whom God has given me authority to shepherd. And I ask you this, is this all the church has been called to be? Is this all we're doing here in this house today? To simply seek to become bigger in number, bigger financially, just like any other business that is out in the corporate world. Are we simply called to become better populated than any other organization? Are we called to compete with the church across the street? Is it all we've been called to do? Is it all we've been called to do? I have to say to you that it's important to us and it is important to God that we grow and become prospered in our efforts. That our churches be full of people and be well attended. That our finances be the best that they can be under the Lord. But I remind you that although all these things are good, still the church has been called for something greater. I wonder sometimes when I... I go home and I, I know many of you and some of you just a high five passing by, but I'm available to meet all of you always. But I wonder to myself as I pray for you, do they really know? <laughs> do they really know how great a people they are? Do they really know each one of you? What God has innately impressed upon you and the authority and the power and the purpose he has for you. We walk around speaking authority and power, but we live our lives in weakness. Ow. I knew you wouldn't shut me down. Oh, I talked to you about blessing. I've got people running around the altar. But when I speak to you about responsibility, shh. Do we know who we really are and what we've been called to do as we complain of what's happening in our nation today? That's all we've learned to do. We've mastered moaning and groaning. But did you know that God has called us to be world changers? Did you know that the authority to change the course of our nation, to change the course of the White House and governments and principalities and authorities upon this land is here in this house today? And here we are hoping someone runs for president to change things for us. Mm. 
Mm. We have a higher calling. We have a higher calling. And next to becoming, yes, well-populated, financially stable, and ongoing, we are called by priority to demonstrate the kingdom of God to this world we are living in. We are called to challenge the direction and the moral standing of the world that we live in today. What the world calls standard and normal living, we are called to differ by showing them the lifestyle of people who live for the kingdom. I'm called to demonstrate the power of God. To demand the change of hearts and lives. Especially those enslaved by the principalities of darkness in this world. You see, ladies and gentlemen, to do the material and the superficial things here in the church. To become a structured organization is easy that comes through good study and strategy and application these mechanical things that we do here as a body it's really no big thing all we have to do is follow the rules and we become well structured that's it Get, to get through school, all you have to do is study and read the book. You're going to be okay. To run a good church, it's okay. All you have to do is have your accountants and structure this and tell people to stay here and to do that and the other and be kind and show character and attitude. And These are simple things. Nothing to boast about. How many times have I been told over the years, Pastor, I love the way you run your church. I love the way people address you. I love the way this. And, and you would expect that every time with everything, I love the way I, I'd probably be 10 foot tall now. <laughs> That's right. I'm the man. No. No, 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 no. Simple strategy, simple reading a book, an organization will help you run a church. It'll help you run H-E-B. But to do and manage the things of the kingdom. To manage the things of the kingdom, which are priority. You need equipment from heaven. You need power from heaven. You need assistance from the throne of God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it alone. You need the assistance, the handheld assistance of God himself moving in a place if it's going to represent the kingdom of God. You see, we need not be so concerned about the progressing of the church materially. But I've come to sound a trumpet, ladies and gentlemen, especially in this time and age. It's time to be concerned why the church is not progressing spiritually. 
Why the church is not progressing in the Lord? Why are we not maturing? Why is the church filled, and I say this, no disrespect, with spiritual midgets? You know, when you speak of a person that is small, but he's 50 years old, something went wrong. I'm not criticizing the person. They can be the most wonderful people. I'm not criticizing. Don't walk out of here and say, oh, he's fucking against me. Shut up. But something went wrong physically. Their bodies didn't mature like yours. They went through something physiologically that didn't allow them to stretch and grow. But you grew. And you'll find someone this big sometimes... A very mature and wonderful individual. And I wonder sometimes what's our excuse for being immature and underdeveloped. Mm. Hallelujah. We need to be concerned. I'm thinking sometimes when did it become normal to stay home on Sundays to go to the flea market? Ah, I'm wondering when did it become normal to stay home because our compadres are coming over and we're going to barbecue. I'm wondering when did it become normal to stay home and cut my yard because uh, I'm trying to sell my house and take a picture of it. When did it become normal? See, those are all signs of immaturity. There's all signs of Christian, little Christians. So we don't have to be concerned whether the air conditioning is going to work tomorrow in this venue. Because we have a lot of air conditioning guys. And they can fix it. We don't have to worry about some amplifier or guitar breaking or something because there's a lot of guitars out there and we there's a lot of technicians that can have can come and fix this big screen that we have here if it blacks out the big deal well, there's somebody that knows how to wire that but when the church misfires spiritually there is only one that can fix it you can't go and speak to those they call geeks at best buy they don't know how Christians are to be wired. When the church is misfiring spiritually, you need a technician from heaven to come and fix the hearts of the church, to set us upright, to put us and program us and put us in line as it is in heaven, so be it here on earth in our lives. Great concern why the church is not progressing spiritually. Why are the sick still sick? Why are the addicts still addicted? Why are the lost still lost? Why are the hurting still hurting? Why are the broken hearted still broken? 
Because all these things are not solutioned by humanistic solutions or resolutions. These are issues of the heart, issues of the soul, issues of eternity. And for this, we need assistance from God. This is why we need his Holy Spirit. And so I believe with all of my heart, and this is why I boldly stand here, even though my knees are knocking. To tell you, God is wanting to wake us up. God wants to wake Rock of Ages up. You see, Christianity has invested millions of dollars in promoting faith. Christianity has built more and more Bible institutes. Christianity has invested in printing more and more Bible Bibles to give out. And Christianity has organized more conferences that you could ever go to in a lifetime. Christianity has written countless books, given out tracts, being printed daily. People giving their time and labor for the cause. All that is good. But have we not noticed that in spite of these efforts that we do physically, still we are living in moral decay. And few are coming to the altar in repentance. The revival we so much like to talk about is so distant. I'll tell you why. Because the more we disregard the authority and the person of his Holy Spirit, the more we allow Christian activities to become more loose and liberal in the church house. More and more the ways of the world are becoming more and more acceptable in the lives of Christians in our churches. And because of all these things, we quench the heart of his Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is calling us today, Rock of Ages, I pray that this message will ring out throughout the land and God will be calling all of his church. But I just know that for Rock of Ages, God is calling us to once again bend our knee in repentance and reconcile with the only one that can straighten us out. The only one that can allow us and help us to live victorious lives in the Lord. The fact of the matter is until the Holy Spirit is given a rightful place in our hearts and our churches, we cannot expect things to get better around us. There can be no improvement unless the Lord does the improvement. Without operation of his Holy Spirit in our lives, once again, the root of our trouble will never be found. This is why the Lord reminded us in Zechariah chapter verse Chapter 4, verse 6, a well-commented verse. You all know it verbatim, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so until we learn to honor him and regard him as he truly is, we'll never be able to make friends with him. And without being friends with him, we can never expect things to change around in our world. 
we've been asking ourselves as the scripture, our opening platform scripture, the question was posed, where is he? Where is the Holy Spirit today, ladies and gentlemen? This is not a general question to be heard and say, well, let's talk all of us and where is he with us? No, no, where is he with you? Where is this Holy Spirit in relationship to you? Do you relate to him? Do you hear his voice? Do you wait on him? Do you depend on him? Or have we too drawn away so much like the people of Israel in Isaiah 63 that now today we don't even know where he is? Where is the Holy Spirit anymore? Who is he anymore? If he walked into this house today, would you recognize him? If he spoke to you today, would you recognize his voice? Or has it been that long that you've prayed and you've sought the presence of the Holy Spirit for him to whisper those words of knowledge, encouragement, comfort, whatever it is that you need that it's been so long that even if he spoke to you, you still would not know it's him. God wants us to wake up. The Lord wants us to become sober again, to know how inseparable he is to his spirit and how inseparable we should all live according to the spirit. In the Bible, there are names given to God. In the Bible, you know God and who he is by the names that he has allowed us to know him by. And as he gives those names to us to identify with him, we learn of specific properties predicated Purities and powers that he possesses. The Lord in his awesome generosity has so graciously given us simple names that describe him in order for us in our limited minds might be able to wrap at least part of our minds around how grand and wonderful he really is. You see, because God is so vast. Who could ever know him? Who could ever embrace him? But he's given us names. And he's given us names that way we can identify and learn of him who he is, what he can do. And as we learn of him, we can truly offer him spiritual worship and spiritual praise and honor. In the scripture, we know the Lord as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. How many understand that language? When I say he is our provider, 
How many understand? Now, how many can apply that to your knowledge of God? You see, he gives us that name for us to understand who he is and can be in our lives. If you would just really know him as your provider, then you would know that in your time of lack, in your time of this or the other and going through things in your home, you would know that you can always rely on Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Oh, but the economy is going bad. Oh, that gas is going higher. Oh, a gallon of milk is twice its price. That's okay. Jehovah Jireh is the God that I serve. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, but now you can't buy a piece of wood. You have to have a bank account to buy a piece of wood. Oh, it's getting horrible. We were planning this. Oh, we were planning that. But now, economically, we can't even tithe. Oh. You see, in our time of need at home, the first one who flies out is God. Well, we've made so much. We've got to pay our bills. You're going to tithe? No way. We can't throw God out. And you've chosen poverty over a dime. Ouch. No clapping? Oh, you're going to wish this sermon was over soon. But if you just learn Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> it doesn't matter how lean this gets and how troublesome this may get. I don't care if gas goes up to $50 a gallon. Hallelujah. We'll buy a mule. We'll do something else. Why? Because Jehovah Jireh, our provider, will get us where we need to go. Hallelujah. Oh, we have Jehovah Shalom. Uh, our peace. Friends, our Prince of Peace. <laughs> oh, if you only knew God as your Prince of Peace, you wouldn't run around like chickens without heads. <sighs> when things got ugly, when you were threatened that your hours are going to go down at work, <laughs> oh, I got to go to HEB and become a sacker there. I got to do something. Oh, oh, if you knew Him. As Jehovah Shalom, regardless of what the doctor said, you wouldn't lose your head. And, oh, now what? Oh, now what? If you believed and knew him as Jehovah Shalom, you wouldn't lose sleep in the middle of the night. Oh, because you know that regardless of how ugly and dark your day might be, there is one who will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> all understanding. So much peace that people around you will find and be astonished as to why you're singing and rejoicing in the middle of a crisis. Why? Because my God is shalom, my peace. He gives me rest even in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter how much the devil roars. There is a God that stands by my side and embraces me and gives me security. And peace.
Ah, Jehovah Nisi. Mm, victorious God. Oh, I love that. But some of you don't know him as that. Because we've accepted defeat many times. Ah, that's... Why even? Why this? Why that? Oh, well, now we're in for it. That's it. Now, they, uh, now uh, by congressional order, they, they, that's it. Executive order is going to, we're done. And you're living defeated lives. Do you not know Jehovah Nisi? That he is a victorious God and he's never lost a battle. Do you not know that he's never lost a battle? Do you not know that he has promised to walk alongside you like a mighty giant? Do you not know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Do you not know? Do you not know, Jehovah Nisi? He's given you that name so that your little mind can grasp how big and vast he really is. Some of you say that you know him, but you don't. And you offend God with that. Because he looks at you in your living room. Where, where, where's this guy going? Where's this guy going? Hey. Hey. Defeated. Do you not know Jehovah Nisi? Do you not know Adonai? Oh, I love that one. Adonai. There's a song that I love that mentions that. The powerful one. The powerful one. Oh, when the threats of this world comes and you see that in your body you are weak, that's okay. Because in my weakness, then I am made strong. Why? Because Adonai is with me, the powerful one. Oh, there is not a bow that he cannot bend. There is not a scepter he cannot destroy. There is not a king or principality he cannot bring and make rubble to the ground. He is the powerful one. Do you not know him? Do you know Elohim? Hmm. Our God and Lord. That's where we need to start. You see, he gives us names, ladies and gentlemen, so that you can understand who he is. You see, you can meet someone in a business and talk to him, and he wears a badge and says something, and you say, who are you? He can give you your na his name, his real name. But you see, the next question, in order for you to understand who you're dealing with, you say, well, what do you do here? Is that true? Yeah, what do you do here? Well, I'm the manager. I'm the one that tells this person here. I'm the one that does this. I'm the one that unloads the trailers. I'm the one that orders the merchandise. I'm the one that pays the employees. 
and you find out who he is, and then you begin to give him his proper respect. Because now you know that when you need someone who can order a shipment, now you know who you can go to. When you find out that you need something in that particular store or business, you know who to go to. You'll go to the wrong one. Listen, I need to do this. Well, I'm not the guy. You need to go to talk to them. Oh. And you go find them because they can help you in your time of need. Ladies and gentlemen, the teaching is simple. If you don't know God, you don't know him because you don't want to know him. The Bible says that even the simple understand even the simple understand why. Because he's made himself that small and simplistic that there is no excuse not to know him. This is why the Bible says in the book of Romans that there is no excuse. He's expressed himself in the constellations. He's made himself knowledge to the scientists. But he's also elementary There's no excuse for you not knowing God. Like, I, I really know who he is. Well, find out what his name is, and you'll find out what he can do. You see, not only does he, makes the, does he make the elementary, the young baby understand, but he also understands young babies. Even if you don't know and grasp how great he is, he's willing to teach you and grow you and not leave you miniature, but he wants you to grow and mature. He understands your language when you can't speak his. Well, you know, I want to say something about God, but I just don't have the words. Say it how you can. He understands. I'm reminded of this little illustration I read one day. A family was gathered around the table and they were about to eat. And every day one of the children and the father and mother themselves too would take a turn every time they sat at the table to pray. And it came that it was time for the three-year-old at their table to pray. And they said, honey, would you say grace now that we're going to eat? And they were all taught to pray and they saw each other pray. And so she sat there, the little baby did, uh, and she began A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And she went through the alphabet and their parents were sitting there listening and they just turned around and began to look at her sitting at that table. And after she was done, she said, that was beautiful. And they said, baby, what did you say? And she said, Jesus understands. <laughs> Jesus knows. Ladies and gentlemen, God has made himself available to us by name so that you can understand. And sometimes you want to speak a special language and thou was heareth, cometh. God will probably say, what? Heareth, whoeth, whateth? You need to spit it. But he makes us understand who he is. 
so that you can know him. And once you know him, you'll be able to praise him. You'll be able to love him. You will know to willingly chase after him when you need whatever it is you need. Because I know Jehovah Jireh. I know Jehovah Nisi. I know Jehovah Rapha. I know Jehovah Elohim. I know Jehovah Adonai. I know him. He is my God and my Savior. There's nothing that I need. He is my pantry in heaven. He is my pantry in heaven. My Jehovah Jireh. My provider. Hallelujah. But you need to know him. Ah, It's 12 o'clock and some of you will become pumpkins. And I haven't even gotten to my lesson yet. But I will. And you will come back. I think this is important what you've learned today. I think it's important what you heard today. This will change your life. When you walk out of this church today, knowing what you know, if you put it into practice, you can walk out in the authority you have as a child of God. Because now I've given you the ammunition to know that there is nothing in this world that you cannot overcome, that you cannot receive, that not, yeah, you cannot be blessed with, uh, that you cannot be healed from, restored from, because you know all the things God can do, your Savior. Now when you walk out of this building and you sit and you see situation rising up in front of you, all you have to say is Jehovah Elohim. Jehovah Elohim, my Lord and my God. Be my Jehovah Nisi. Be my Jehovah Jireh. Be my Jehovah Rapha. Be my Jehovah Shalom. Be my God. I need you right now. There's some of you in this house today that need Jehovah Nisi. That need Jehovah Elohim. That need Jehovah Jireh. But you just didn't know he could do these things for you. You see, he's given you these names so that there can be no mistake. And that confusion that the devil comes to impress on your mind during those times of tribulation, you can always remember, oh, I know his name. Be quiet, devil. Because I have Jehovah Rapha with me. And you know what he can do. I know what he can do. What part and what characteristic of God do you need this morning as I ask you to stand? I'm still going to teach you on the names of the Holy Spirit. But I pray that this wets your spiritual lips and heart to say, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I've got these things that I've learned about God. I want to put them into practice. What do you need from this God? 
And I ask you, what do you need that he cannot give you? Really? What do you need that he cannot provide for you? Peace? Is your mind being tormented by junk? Are you so involved in what's going on around this world that your mind is polluted with nothing but trouble? You need Jehovah Shalom. Maybe this economical crisis that we're facing to some extent has now affected you and you, you've seen the devil now create a mountain out of an anthill. You're still eating well. You're still, you're still driving to work and all these things, but he's exploded this picture. Now what? Now you've got a room filled with H-E-B because you're waiting for Armageddon and there is no peace in your heart. You need Jehovah Shalom. May I introduce you to Jehovah Shalom. May I introduce you to Jehovah Adonai, the powerful one. See, he gave me and he gave you those names so that you know who he is. There's no excuse for anyone. But he must become your Jehovah Elohim this morning. And that is he must become your Lord and your God.